Welcome back to the Huddle Up Podcast, Five Observations with Big Jim. I'm your host, Big Jim, of the Huddle Up Podcast. You can catch the Huddle Up Podcast. We are live every Tuesday night uh, on our Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube channels, facebook.com slash Huddle Up Podcast, Twitter at Huddle Up Podcast, Twitter dot, or excuse me, youtube.com slash uh, Huddle Up Podcast. You can also find those links as well as... Um, where to subscribe to us on all podcast platforms, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, and everywhere else you can find your podcasts. Uh, you can find all that, plus our merchandise over at tpublic.com on the link tree on our social media. Again, facebook.com slash huddle up podcast and Twitter at huddle up podcast. Um, just a, again, reminder about these uh, quote unquote bonus pods that you're going to see on the feed here you have the weekly five observations from myself you have five for fighting uh with mike bernier where he covers the uh national hockey league and his um five pieces of uh what is most important in the national hockey league over the past week uh that comes out typically on thursdays uh you should start to see a nba podcast with her own Ernest E.J. Christian here coming up in the next few weeks. Um, so look for that and uh, some more bonus coverage as we head into the World Cup and some other things as well. Um, again, so make sure you are subscribed to the podcast feed so you never miss an episode. And uh, and you can make sure uh, to tell your friends if you appreciate and you like the show and any of our content, uh, please share the show with anyone that you think might enjoy it and encourage them to do the same so we can get as many people uh, in on the fun on, on a weekly uh, basis here on the Huddle Up Podcast and the Huddle Up Podcast feed. I'm going to start our own, little, uh, our own little podcast network, the Huddle Up Podcast Network, so to speak. So uh, we appreciate all the support as always. So uh, I'm getting the observations in a little later than normal this week. I got them in early last week uh, and uh, this week got them in a little later. I meant to do them last night, didn't get around to it. Uh, so we're getting uh, we're getting an NFL uh, centric one, and actually it may be better. And I will uh, touch on that uh, in the uh, in the third observation I have for the week. But let's dig in. Um, earlier this college football season, when Notre Dame uh, had lost to Ohio State, they lost to Marshall, and then uh, the loss to Stanford in the middle of October. There's a lot of people questioning, like, is Marcus Freeman the right guy? Like, did Notre Dame make the right choice? Uh, you know, they, they were dealt a tough hand. Brian Kelly left Notre Dame uh, for LSU, where he is now finding success. Um, they have either clinched or on the verge of clinching a berth in the SEC title game in his first year. Should be in the top um, top six or seven and, uh, in this upcoming week's college football playoff ranking, which we will cover on the Huddle Up podcast this Tuesday night. Um, right here on the feed. So make sure you, uh, again, you check that out. But, um, some people were kind of calling into question, like, is Marcus Freeman the guy? Is he in over his head? Should Notre Dame have, um, you know, cause the players and the coaching staff and the administration and a lot of Notre Dame fans were calling for Marcus Freeman to be the head coach when Brian Kelly left and Notre Dame listened. Um, or seemingly listened. Maybe Marcus Freeman was the guy all along. Um, but it appeared they listened. 
And then, of course, when things did not start off the way they wanted them to, uh, people kind of called that into question and go, maybe he's not the right guy. Maybe he shouldn't be the one. Maybe, you know, maybe this experiment is not going to last as as long as um, Notre Dame wants it to. Um, but look, a couple of games later, you end up beating uh, Clemson, who at the time was ranked number four in the country. You can debate whether or not they were the number four team in the country. I personally don't think they were the number four team in the country. But the bottom line is, when Clemson came to South Bend last weekend, they were ranked number four in the college football playoff. That's the fact. So don't yell at me. Yell at the college football playoff committee if you disagree with it. But Notre Dame beat the number four team in the country in Marcus Freeman's first year. Okay? Um, It took Brian Kelly a decade to beat a top five team for the first time. That was in 2020 against Clemson. Okay? So... uh, what what I, what I look at when I look at this season, Notre Dame is still very inconsistent. And and I record this uh, Sunday, November the thirteenth. Uh, yesterday, Notre Dame was up big, thirty five to thirteen at halftime over Navy, and they almost lost. They they completely collapsed in the second half, but they won. Not a good win, an ugly win, but you know, a ugly win is better than a good loss, right? I mean, that's what we're, that's what we're, what we're like destined to believe as sports fans. That's what we're programmed to believe as sports fans, that a bad win is better than a good loss. It's, it's Marcus Freeman's seventh win of the season in his first year. Uh, Notre Dame has Boston College this upcoming weekend, the home finale. Crazy that it's the home finale, by the way. I, I feel like this football season has torched by. But the home finale this upcoming weekend against Boston College, hopefully, knock on wood, knock, 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 uh, should be the eighth win of the year. And and I think preseason, if you go back to the college football prediction show on this feed, um, I believe that that when pressed from by the student of the game, Kyle Nash, um, I said that that Notre Dame would be somewhere between eight and four. And 10 and 2. Because I looked at Ohio State. I looked at Clemson. And I looked at, I think it was preseason number 18 or something like that, BYU. And I said, Notre Dame might win one of those. So they'll lose two of them. The rest of the game's winnable. Okay. Uh, They lost to Ohio State out the gate. Then they lost to Marshall at home. And then all of a sudden I thought, man, um, okay. Then it was Cal. Just beat Cal. Scrape by. Okay. Then then you then I, I'm looking at the rest of the schedule. I'm like, I don't know which ones of these games are wins. Then they beat BYU in the in the Shamrock series game and played in Las Vegas. BYU was ranked number sixteen at the time. Okay. And then they come out and lose to Stanford the next week, if memory serves. I'm not looking at the schedule at the moment. So you lose to Marshall and Stanford, and then the next week you beat Syracuse on the road, then number 16 in the country. 
again, you can debate if Syracuse or BYU should have ever been ranked or should have been ranked as high as 16. I didn't. I don't make the rankings. I'm just telling you the the facts as they were when Notre Dame played them. So then I, I'm really I'm I'm starting to look at the schedule and I'm like, okay, so we have four wins. Okay, so you, you really you, Clemson's a loss. So you got to beat Navy. You got to beat Boston College to get to six wins. You got you're gonna they're gonna struggle to get the bowl bowl eligible. And then they beat. Then they. No, they didn't just beat Clemson. They kicked Clemson's ass. <laughs> uh, then they scraped by to beat Navy. So now you're sitting at seven and three. Uh, all of a sudden, you can become eight and three. Uh, you close at USC Thanksgiving weekend. I'm still kind of counting that one as as a as a loss. So you finish eight and four. That was my worst case scenario. Um, but Notre Dame's been better on the road than they have been at home. This year, so maybe they go into USC and beat them, and then you finish nine and three and go to a bowl game. Um, but the bottom line, you know, for me is this: you know, I look at Marcus Freeman and I look at this coaching staff. The Marshall loss the, is is not as egregious as the Stanford loss. You come off a quote unquote good loss to Ohio State in Week One, where you hung in with them for for two and a half, three quarters. And then Ohio State just beat you late. Okay, that's fine. Then you come home. A place where Notre Dame, besides a Cincinnati game last year, um, has been mostly unbeatable for multiple seasons in a row. And you only got Marshall coming to town. And you lose to Marshall on your home opener. Um, and you lose your starting quarterback. Tyler Buckner, uh, it, like it has been a rough road, man. This season has been an an up and down road, um, but I look at it this way: they're they've adjusted their game plan. They're running the ball more. It's their strength. They have a three headed monster at running back, so they run the ball and they're finding more success. They're keeping their recruiting class. They like not only have they been keeping their recruiting class, like they've had they've had guys who have decommitted from other schools and have committed to Notre Dame. You had a huge recruiting weekend when Clemson was in town and you kicked their ass and 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 recruits have committed because of that win. And I look at this and I go, your quarterback has been Drew Pine who is not not good. He is doing I guess the best that he can, but he's not good. And he's not what Notre Dame needs to be successful. And I just imagine what this team could do once they once they start to bring in Marcus Freeman's classes. You actually get a recruit, uh, either a recruited uh, quarterback or a transferred quarterback, and really let this let this team cook with what they're doing. And man, I'm I'm excited for it. Marcus Freeman, definitely the right coach uh, for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Uh, my second observation this week is, man, do the do people really want to try to play immediate, um, immediately change the narrative on the Philadelphia Phillies because they lost the World Series? I have seen so many like tweets and podcasts and and sports talk talking points in in the last week since the Phillies lost saying that this season wasn't successful, 
This season was a failure. Questioning if Rob Thompson was the right coach for the Phillies, if they should have hired him. How much this roster needs to be blown up. That because they didn't win the World Series, the season can't be considered a success. Are you, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? How can this season for the Philadelphia Phillies not be considered a success? They fired their coach in what, June? July? And and they not only did they make the playoffs, but they won multiple rounds. They eliminated last year's World Series champion. They eliminated a team who had eliminated the team that was believed to be the best team in baseball, the Los Angeles Dodgers. The San Diego Padres eliminated them. The Phillies beat them. In a series that I saw a lot of analysts say that if this thing, if the Phillies don't sweep the Padres, which, were you ever going to sweep the Padres? Because if you, if you don't sweep the Padres, if it goes deep, that the, the Phillies are going to be in more trouble. And th- they beat them. And then the, the Houston Astros, who were the best team in the American League, hadn't lost a game in the postseason. And the Phillies beat them twice once in Houston. The Philadelphia Phillies were the only team to beat the World Series champion in the entire postseason. But you're right. Failure. Okay? Look, I understand that the goal of every team in sports is to win a championship that year. That's why you do it. If you're competing, you're competing to win. I was in I was in marching band in high school, competing marching band. Our goal was to win our our, our tournament championship at the end of the at the end of the year. The highest we ever came was in seventh. Now, was it a failure or was it a success? The year we came in seventh, it was tied for the highest place that our band had ever finished. In our in the history of our band, it was the highest we ever finished, and we got the highest score that our band had ever gotten. So did we succeed? Or did we fail because we didn't come home with the championship trophy? I look at that as a success. We were the best band at that point in our band's history. The Philadelphia Phillies... Yes, they were highly touted coming into the year. They, they they were not good out of the gate. They fired their manager. At that point, nobody had them going to the postseason at all. They were covered. They made it to the postseason. They won the NL pennant. And they 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 took the best team in baseball. Yes, the Astros ended up being the best team in baseball because they won the World Series. To six games. They were the only team to beat the Astros in the playoffs. How how anybody can look at that as not successful is, is astounding to me. And to say that this run wasn't special. You, you, are, you, are you telling me you're going to look at some of these moments? 
the Hoskins home run where he spikes the bat, the Bryce Harmer bomb to the left, to left field. How are you going to look at some of these, the 7-0 win in the World Series? Game three, your first World Series home game in over a decade? And you're going to tell me it wasn't special? Because if you don't think that's special, why why are you doing this? Why Why are you a sports fan? The Baltimore Orioles this year, they missed the playoffs. But they, they were projected to win maybe 60 games. They were the last American League team to be eliminated from postseason contention. Did the, were the, was the Orioles season a failure? No. Okay, so context is king. I mean, maybe the Dodgers season was a failure. Maybe the Yankees season was a failure. The Orioles wasn't. The Phillies certainly wasn't. And to tell me that the, the moments that this team and that fan base had, I, I know people who, who, who are Phillies diehards that said that in some ways this run felt more special than the 2008 World Series champions. So tell me how this year wasn't special. Tell me how this year was a failure. I don't get it. Explain it to me. I dare you. Please explain it to me. At Big Jim Sports on Twitter. Please. Because I it doesn't add up to me that this year could be a failure. Um, I'm happy I waited, actually, to record this today. Because my third observation was going to be that Aaron Rodgers is done. He looked checked out. And that look at that look back look back at Aaron Rodgers last week against Detroit. He looked check out. He looked his eyes were glazed over. He looked like he didn't care. I was going to talk about the optics of him continuing to go on the Pat McAfee show every week. We're not good when this team is bad. And then what what else could save the Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers? Like the Dallas Cowboys riding in on a white horse. And man, once again, my Dallas Cowboys have proved to me again, and like an idiot. And I'm I'm fairly certain if you go back on the the NH the the NFL uh, preseason show on this feed, um. Or it might have been when we wrapped up last season. But some, it's somewhere in the archives. Look, go and listen to them all. Tell me which one it is. Um, But like an idiot, I, I, I said, look, I am going... I am going to go I'm, uh, into this season. And at some point, I'm going to start to believe. I'm going to start to believe that this team is good. That this team is really good. That this team could be a contender. Okay, I'm going to start to believe that even though I know they're not. Why? Because I've done this forever. Because every year I start to think that, hey, maybe maybe they maybe they found the right team. You know, now the defense is starting to get better. Well, they have a great offense. You know, maybe well this this coaching staff is, is is good. You know, they have a they have a guy who's a head coach that won a Super Bowl as a head coach. 
at some point I'm going to start to believe the Dallas Cowboys hype. And then it's uh, then they are going to disappoint me and they're going to remind me who they are. Sunday, November the 13th, 2022, the Dallas Cowboys remind me reminded me who they are. They are a mediocre team that will do no better than finish 500-ish. I can't say 500 anymore because the NFL has 17 games. Can we get an 18th game or can we go back to uh, 16 games, please? I need to be able to tell myself that the Dallas Cowboys are going to be a 500 team. But they reminded me again who they are, what this team is made up of. They are undisciplined. They are poorly coached. Uh, They don't execute well. Their run defense is atrocious. They have be- th- their ownership is terrible. Their front office is terrible. Jerry Jones still thinks he can be a general manager of the National Football League, and it fails year after year after year. Jerry Jones's kids are going to take over this team, and they're going to continue to do the same thing, and the Cowboys are going to fail over and over again. The Cowboys had a 14-point lead going into the fourth quarter tonight, today, this afternoon, against the Green Bay Packers. Going into today, into today's fourth quarter, the Cowboys were 195-0 and when leading 14 points or more entering the fourth quarter. The Dallas Cowboys blew a 14-point lead today in the fourth quarter, and then they lost in overtime to the Green Bay Packers. The Dallas Cowboys are a failure. Um... And it, and it 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 was on so many levels today. Uh, Dak wasn't good. The run defense continues to be a problem this year. If they don't address that, this team is going to be one and done in the playoffs. If they even get there, the secondary was bad today. Wide receivers were bad. Ceedee Lamb early. Uh, was miscommunication on multiple plays that led to interceptions. Dalton Schultz, same way. And coaching. Oh, my God. And lack of discipline. And that to me, that starts at the top. If you can't, this team is one of the most penalized teams in football. And this coaching staff can't figure out a way to stop it. Year after year. Um, and then play calling. Multiple fourth down play and fourth down uh, tries to convert. Some at poor places on the field. In overtime, they went for it on fourth down in field goal range and failed to convert. 
So now you don't even have a lead. The Packers, they can go down and kick a field goal and win. It's not a field goal to tie, and maybe the game ends in a tie, and it's still embarrassing, but you didn't lose. No, you gave the you gave the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, a guy who has scorched your team over and over and over again for his entire career. You gave him the golden ticket because all the Packers need to do is win by a field goal. Um. They're they're an average at best team. They're average at best. Uh and I'm I'm done by I'm done believing it this year. I say that now. I'm an idiot. I'll I'll eventually they'll give they'll they'll probably go in and beat Minnesota next week, and then I'll go. All right, we're back on track. We got this. But man, uh, just just absolute disappointment. Absolute disappointment uh, today. Um, fourth observation for the week that we are over, uh, halfway. We're near the end of the college football regular season, uh, which is depressing because, um, again, it feels like it really just kind of got underway, but, but only a few weeks left until championship, uh, conference championship weekend. And this weekend, um, is the start really of the, of the second half of the NFL season week 10. And, and, and really, on, in, in both college and the NFL, um, my observation is this. We don't know. We really, truly don't know who is the quote-unquote the quote team to win it all. Now, in the NFL, the best team in football, without question, especially given today's results, is the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I hate saying that, but they are. Okay. Um, everybody, people want to keep, you know, pigeonholing, trying to say it's the Bills, trying to say it's the Chiefs. <clears throat> the Chiefs have bad losses, and the Bills have multiple losses. Arguably bad losses. They've lost to the Dolphins, they've lost to the Jets, now they lost to the Vikings. The Vikings are a team that the Eagles have beaten. And people people keep saying that that's not a good win for Philly. Okay, when when's it when's it not cuz it was a prime time. When when when's it when's it not like they beat the Bills. They beat the team that everybody said was going to be the team. Okay? And they did it convincingly. The only win the Eagles haven't won convincingly is week one against the Lions. And I got news for you. Spoiler alert. We have to stop using week one games as an argument against a team being good. Because because teams don't play their, their star players and their number one teams in the preseason anymore. So week one is almost like a de facto preseason game. That's the world that has been created in the National Football League. So this is the first time that 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 these offenses are running at full strength with each other this year in a given season. So so we can't use the week one argument anymore. 
you're going to see fluky results. You're going to see teams lose that shouldn't. You're going to see close games that quote-unquote shouldn't be. That's the reality of the National Football League right now. So there's, to me, there's sadly, and again, I'm I'm not happy about this, but to me, there's no more argument. The Philadelphia Eagles are the best team in football. Now, now your task is to figure out the, the next couple tiers. But even saying that, the Eagles are beatable. They are. Okay. Um, Houston hung around with them into the into into the fourth quarter, I believe. The Cooper Rush Dallas Cowboys hung in with them until a couple of bad interceptions. So so the, the Eagles are a beatable team, but they are currently the best team. Does that mean the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl? No, and that's what I mean. Because the AFC, you know, the, the Bills, the Chiefs, teams are beating. The Bills are the number three team in the AFC East right now. They're looking up at the Jets and the Dolphins, okay? So, the it, it, it's crazy. And the NFC, outside of the Philadelphia Eagles, is a crapshoot. Is it Dallas? Is it New York? Is it San Francisco? Don't look now, but Tampa Bay, they're 2-0 with a single Tom Brady. Maybe they're figuring it out. Is this the game that's going to jump spark the Packers? I don't think it is, but let's just play along. My point is, the NFC is wide open behind Philadelphia. Okay, so the we don't halfway through the season, the beginning of the second half of the season, we don't know who the best is, who the team is. And then in college football, okay, so you have Georgia, who uh, they struggled a little bit in September. They look to be on track now. They look to be like the team, but they are beatable. Then you have Michigan, Ohio State. They're on a collision course for each other in a couple of weeks. Then you have TCU, who is running through the Big 12. Is that sustainable? I don't know. Okay. Then you then, then you start to get into these one-loss teams, maybe two-loss teams. So you have Tennessee. You have LSU. You have USC. Uh, Alabama doesn't want to die yet. Oregon, they're dead. They they organed themselves this this weekend. But you know, you have a lot of teams that are waiting to kind of pick off somebody if they stumble above them. And ultimately, you know, the SEC teams, they're gonna they're gonna uh they're gonna eat each other alive because uh, LSU would be on a collision course for Georgia in the SEC title game, assuming none of them slip up between now and then. Michigan and Ohio State play Thanksgiving weekend. So college football, still pretty wide open. You know, here with, here with just a couple of weeks to go, uh, two, three weeks left in the regular season, champ, uh, conference championship weekend, 
and then then we then we then we see the playoff map. Okay, so th- there's still plenty. There's only a couple weeks left, but there is still plenty of potential for this college football season to be thrown in a blender and uh, and 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 hit, uh, you know, and to mash everything up. And and going back, look, okay, going back to the NFL for just one second. Can we stop also with the Philly has an easy schedule? The Eagles don't get to make their schedule. Nobody in the NFL gets to make their schedule, okay? You have the divisional games. The NFL kind of uh, puts your uh, non-divisional and cross-conference divisional games um, together based on, I guess, how you finished last year. But these teams don't pick the games. They can only play the games that sit in front of them. And the Philadelphia Eagles are winning their games and doing it convincingly. They haven't lost. The Bills, the team that everybody was ready to to lock into the Super Bowl after week three. It wasn't even just the Bills are the best team. They're going to the Super Bowl. It was this team's going to get home field. They're going to be impossible to beat at home. And they are, uh, are they going to go 17-0? and Now they're 6-3. and yeah, People wanted to put the cheat. They're like, yeah, it's Mahomes, it's Kelsey, it's Andy Reid. This team's going to be Super Bowl bound if, if they can get by the Bills. They're beatable too, okay? But the only team. Now, the Eagles play tomorrow night, Monday Night Football, against the Commanders. Theoretically, they could lose. I don't see it happening. But right now, the Eagles are undefeated. They're the only team to do it that way. And they're not scraping by. They're winning convincingly. Stop it with the schedule stuff. Stop it. Um, speaking of those bills, this is my uh, this is my fifth observation observation for the week. The Buffalo Bills are their own worst enemy. Because by all accounts, I I tend to agree, except for the seventeen and zero stuff. I never bought into seventeen and zero. But I, I tended to buy into it, at least the idea that if the Bills get home field, they're going to be not impossible to beat, but they're going to be a hard out. January in Buffalo, uh, likely an after, like a late afternoon or night game, that's a hard ask for another team. Okay? I get that. Not impossible, but they seem to be the favorite. They seem to be the unpaid. They're my Super Bowl preseason Super Bowl champion pick. So this isn't me trying to play, and I told you so, about the Buffalo Bills. Okay? They're my preseason Super Bowl champion. But they're their own worst enemy. I've said for the last couple weeks on the Huddle Up podcast that they they are guilty of trying to give away games. They've they've done it multiple times this year. They almost gave up a game to the Packers. They gave up a game to the Jets. Today, they gave up a game to the Vikings. Okay? They have trouble. And this this goes even before this year. Like, this, this is a thing the Bills have done for a couple of years. 
They will get up big. They kind of get this attitude like we can't lose. And then teams come back, sometimes successfully, sometimes the Bills hold on. Um, Today in that loss against the Vikings, there was a fourth down call that almost really, for a minute there, you could feel the air being let out of Bills Mafia. Because there's a fourth down call, they should have just kicked the field goal to get a few insurance points. But instead, they ran a fourth down play. It ends up going screwy. Josh Allen throws a pick. Ends up getting uh, getting hurt on the play. Nothing serious. But when he was down on that field face first, you could hear and feel the fear in Bill's Mafia. And man, it would have been their own greed that would have cost them their, possibly their seat. If that would have been a season Ending injury to Josh Allen? That could have gone down as one of the worst play calls. I don't know if ever, but in a, in a while, in recent memory. But also the thing I've noticed with the Bills is not only do they get that atti- like this attitude when they get up in games, like we can't lose, we're untouchable. We got this. We're locked in. But the, the, I, I feel like they take, and, and we saw it a couple of times today, there's hits after the play. Um, I've seen, you know, just just the, 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 their, their sideline, their, some of their players. Um, there's almost like this cocky attitude with them. Um. And maybe it's just perception. Maybe it's how I'm reading it. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. But there seems to be an attitude issue with the Buffalo Bills. That they get these leads, they they become untouchable, and then when things start going their way, it's other people's fault. It's not their fault. They're not the reason they're losing games. It's the officials' fault. It's uh, you know, this guy, you know, the the receivers are looking for a flag, the defenders are looking for flags. You know, it's not about them. It's not about their ability to close out the game. It's everybody else. It's everything around them. The the outside world is causing them to not close these things out. So the Buffalo Bills, um, Bills Mafia. Uh, you're you're my Super Bowl pick, okay? Um, if it's not going to be my Cowboys, and you already know how I feel about them. But if it's not going to be my Cowboys, I would love it to be you because I, I I always like to have my predictions play out as correct. Get out of your own way. If the Bills don't win the AFC, I honestly feel like they have to look at themselves in the mirror because I, I feel like it's on them. There's no reason. They shouldn't have lost to the Dolphins. They probably shouldn't have lost to the Jets. And they probably shouldn't have lost today to the Minnesota Vikings. But this team is flawed. Whether it's on the field or in their own minds. And if the Bills can't figure that out, 
they may not be Super Bowl bound after all. Okay. So now, do I think the Bills are still going to be a playoff team? I absolutely do. However, you know, looking at it right now, if you pull up the AFC standings, the Bills are the sixth seed currently. Okay? They are at six and three. The Chargers are behind them at five and three. The Chargers currently, as I'm recording, lead the San Francisco 49ers. Behind the Chargers are the Patriots and the Bengals at five and four. One game behind the Bills. Guess who the Bills haven't played yet this year? The Patriots. They got two games against the Patriots. You want to talk about must-win games? All of a sudden, December 1st and December and uh, January 8th. Well, let's take a December 1st. At New England, it looks like it's trending towards a must-win. Because you all of a sudden you're you're looking at a scenario where well the Jets have already beat you. Right? So you play the Jets again on December uh on December the eleventh. That becomes a must win. For tiebreakers' sake. But you're looking at these Patriots games. The Bills have the worst record, uh division record in the AFC East. They're now in third place in the AFC East. The team that, are they going to go 17-0? Now in a real tough spot. And and, uh, only themselves to blame. If they can't uh, can't right the ship. Uh, But that's going to do it for me this week uh, for the five observations. Uh, make sure you are subscribed to us on all podcast platforms, Huddle Up Podcast. You can uh, find the link tree to all of our uh, all of our podcast spots to subscribe to the show um, at uh, facebook.com slash Huddle Up Podcast, Twitter at Huddle Up Podcast. Uh, hit the link tree there. Um, you can get our merchandise over at tpublic.com as well as find our YouTube channel uh, and our TikTok page. We are on TikTok. Post some clips uh, from each week's show over there, so make sure you give us a uh, a follow on TikTok as well. Um and uh if you are subscribed on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating and review that we'd appreciate that and that would get the uh the show um you know some more publicity and and uh, get more people, get more eyes on uh the show itself. And finally, uh, I do this uh, every week. If you do enjoy the show, please 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 share it with at least one other person that you think would enjoy it as well and get them uh encourage them to do the same. Uh, we'll be back live Tuesday night, November the 15th, uh, two days away, uh, with our Huddle Up podcast live. It'll be uh, the full crew, I believe, is uh, back for this week as we continue through the uh, the NFL and college football season. That's 8 o'clock Eastern time on our Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube pages, so make sure you do that. And uh, if you watch us live and interact with us, uh, you know we'll read your comments and things on the air, so uh, we certainly encourage you to try to do that. Until then, I hope you stay safe, stay smart, and go for the win.